Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to episode number 31, Five Female Faux Pas to Avoid in 2019, Part 1, Good Manners. What a mouthful. I'm your host, Tari, and I'll be keeping you company through this experience. More than almost any other episode, this has been a very tricky one to create. How do I give you something you want, but without making everyone's alarm go off, but also something that really drives the point home? A big part of growing with this podcast and creating it with you has been not only finding a way to share the most accurate truths, philosophies, axioms, maxims, but also how do I do it in a way where you can really hear it? It's really hard to hear something if you're offended, upset, or in a place of strong anger. Of course, in a world where everyone's triggered, it's going to happen, but can I create lasting change with you through the words that I say? And that's what I hope is the case. But when we talk about such polarizing subjects as sex, money, power, things that women should do, things that men should do, it becomes a very different story. Once in a while, I'll revisit listening to previous episodes to see how my style has changed over the years and also to see where I can improve. And I wasn't very pleased listening to all the disclaimers that I had to add in previous episodes. Trying to say things in just the right way so as not to upset and offend. So I gave myself the same advice that I've given to so many clients over the years and to so many friends. And that's that if you already are a nice, wonderful person, you don't have to try to not be a piece of crap. If you already aren't loud and outspoken and super aggressive and angry and you're way on the other end with a soft voice, you don't have to worry about not being too loud or not being too aggressive. And so the same applies here for me. I think I've finally reached a place in my growth where I'm done with all of these enormous and long disclaimers which I think all of you will appreciate, primarily because I think it'll save you an enormous amount of time from listening to me go on and on and on about what I'm not trying to say and what I don't mean and how I'm excluding this and that, rather than just giving you the real deal. So I've taken 20 minutes of warnings, advisories, preparation, disclaimers, and so forth, and I've condensed them down to just a couple minutes before we jump right into the first faux pas. As such, here are a few things to consider right off the bat. Is Tari trying to change me or make me into a different person? Well, mostly no. However, we all have behavior, including myself, that we find that we don't like, we find that it doesn't serve us, and if we're not getting the kind of attention or response that we want from other people, then it's worth looking inside ourselves to make changes. Not to turn you into a different woman so I can be happy, not to make you a different woman so other men can be pleased, but so that you actually have a better life experience. Point number two, we are all doing our best here. Or are we? Are we really doing our best with those that we love every day? And are we showing up as the man or woman that we want to be? Frankly, I think most of the time people spend their day on autopilot in reaction mode. We have reactions. But when you're listening to this, you don't have to. You can make a different choice. And if you hear something you don't like, you don't need to take it personally. Number three, there are certainly no shortages of faux pas for men, and I'd be delighted to create an episode about this, but I think it would be fun to create with another woman or several other women to collect a solid handful of unique and unusual faux pas that no one's ever heard before, or like these that no one's been able to articulate before. Number four, this is a big, extensive list, but I'm starting you off slow with about five faux pas in this episode, and we'll continue it in a future episode part two. But what you want to note here is these aren't random thoughts in my mind. I haven't observed one person do this once in Whole Foods and then freaked out about it. It's something I see over and over and over again, 
hundreds of times, if not thousands. So really take a look within. If you can't find one of these within yourself, you might not be being as honest with yourself as you think. Feel free also to forward this to other girlfriends and friends and share it with people who you think can benefit from it. Number five, this is about self-improvement. So take a look at these behaviors, pause, listen, go within, see if there's something here that you want to adjust within yourself. Six, all of these things to me hinder closeness, intimacy, sex, dating, anything that involves what we all want in life, which is to feel cared for and liked and appreciated, to feel close to someone or many people. And more often than not, these faux pas can cause a real fight or a disconnect. Seven, these are not for people who you're not attracted to or someone who's bothering or pestering you and I'm trying to convince you to spend time with someone you don't like. It's not for people you don't have chemistry with. It's for people who you actually are interested in or who you allow to be your friends and even for those who you allow to be your friends online. Eight, all episodes of Female Faux Pas do not aim for you to ignore when your own issues or traumas or episodes come up. Always take care of yourself first. There's a huge difference between being uncomfortable in a situation because someone is actually exerting something onto you that you dislike versus not knowing how to handle yourself in a social situation. Or you haven't practiced good manners publicly. Or you're not aware about how to treat people when you interact with them. Those two more than anything are why I created this episode. So if you're interacting with a perfect stranger who's not doing anything wrong, he's not behaving weird, he doesn't set off your creepy bells and alarms, he's just a stranger, you don't know him, you've passed by him in a store, but your behavior towards him is either worse than how you would treat someone who you don't like, or you're treating him as though he and every other man on the planet is a potential serial killer or rapist, we might want to make an adjustment. So it's important when you're interacting with men to evaluate, are you unsafe? And in most cases, you're not unsafe. So a great way to start this off is to ask yourself, do you ignore all men? Run away from all men. Shut down all men. Not speak to, not interact with, and not be friendly towards all men. Have you decided to not say hello to or acknowledge or smile at anyone who's a man? And we're talking here about situations where you're not feeling threatened. This is not late night in an alleyway. This is not you're walking through a dark parking lot and some lurking figure walks by you. We're talking sunny fields, grocery stores, farmers markets, yoga classes. Does your behavior in all public places mirror the way you would act in a fearful or stressed situation? Point number nine, a lot of these explanations are necessary because most people sit behind their keyboard in full judgment and they make these sort of flippant one word or one sentence replies that try to strike down anything that's methodical through simple insults or quick one-off replies that have absolutely no thought behind them. How does this play out in the world and what do you so often hear? He's just not into you. Just let people live their lives. Don't bother people. She's doing the best she can. Don't judge. That wasn't nice. Get over it. Obviously, she doesn't like you. Just move on. And then even worse nowadays, comments like this. Everyone is just perfect the way they are and should be able to do whatever they want to do. Just let them be. Just do you. Just live your own life. A sort of blind acceptance of bad behavior. All of that nonsense never takes a look at what's really going on. So populous America, most of society communicates that way, and we're taking a deeper look. And yes, I can concede that in a perfect utopian world, we all accept each other for who we are and everything was just fine. And no matter what someone said or did, didn't matter. It's all good, but that's not the world that we actually live in. 
If something you're doing is continuously causing you problems with men in your life, or some form of your behavior is creating issues with men that you don't know, then it's time to make a change. You can always ask yourself, how would I feel if someone said this to me or did this to me when you're looking at behavior that you might want to change? Imagine for a moment that you're a woman waiting for your date to go out to dinner and you've done yourself up. You did your hair, your nails, you look beautiful, you're waiting at the restaurant. You're supposed to meet at 7.30, so at first you start waiting and then you get a little uncomfortable and try to reach out. You text, but no answer. You try calling around 7.45, 8, nothing. 8 o'clock rolls around, not a peep. And then at 8.05, 35 minutes after you guys were supposed to be seated for dinner, you're sitting there at an empty table by yourself in a nice restaurant for 35 minutes sipping on water or a drink. You get a text that says, Hey, hun, sorry, I'm running late. I'll be there soon. Just soon. What if you got the call that they weren't going to show up, but they told you 35 or 40 minutes after the time they were supposed to be there? What would you do and how would you feel? And have you discovered about yourself that you have a rule that you don't wait for anybody? And if you aren't the type who just gets up and leaves and calls it a night, how would you want to behave towards that person once they showed up? Would you be able to be awesome and charming and friendly and playful? Or would you have a bit of resentment? We haven't even gotten into our first faux pas yet, so this is a bit of a bonus, but consider how this idea feels of men should wait for you. Do you find that you've got more important things going on in your life, like doing your hair or chatting extra on your phone or scrolling through your Instagram feed or messing around with your makeup or getting 10 extra minutes in the sun, and that men should just wait indefinitely for you for no reason? And we're talking about people who you are interested in. So this idea, of course, of ghosting or not showing up or being so late that it might make a person never want to speak to you again. Just imagine that a man has done these things to you, that he makes you wait all the time because he was talking to the bros or having another drink or watching the game. Sometimes it's just realizing how we would handle the situation that helps us make the shift. And now, without further ado, here is part one of female faux pas. Faux pas number one. It's crazy to me how pervasive this is and how no one speaks a peep about it. What can we call it? Reality television effect, the Kardashian effect. I like to ignore everybody while sucking all of the attention onto myself effect. I think I'm so hot I can have anybody and do anything I want effect. The I'm screaming for sexual attention, but I have nothing to give back effect. And it looks like this, choosing to create or fabricate from nothing a mask or version of yourself that acts and behaves on your behalf in all of your social situations. This mask makes sure you don't show your true feelings, your vulnerabilities, who you really are. But the only thing that gets presented to the world is this artificial or fake persona or mask, which is contingent on sexuality and a lot of sexual attention. It's based on how good you look, the faces that you can make with your lips, your eyes, your pouts, your expressions, and your body language to make you look, frankly and quite literally, like you just want to or are ready to fuck. A really great metaphor for this is imagine any girl who's got her hair and makeup done, she's super glammed out, she's in a very sexy outfit, and she wants to take some pictures selfies as it were, or maybe she's doing a photo shoot for Instagram, maybe she's creating a resume for acting or something in the field of dramatic arts. 
And she makes, as many people do, these faces and these expressions that you will never see on a man. Maybe her mouth is gaping wide open. Maybe it's a hysterical smile. Maybe the laughter is so incredible, but there was nothing funny to make her laugh like that. Often she'll look untouchable, impenetrable, super sexual, like you don't want to mess around with her. Guys are really good at that one. But this faux pas is about taking that face, that expression, that moment where the camera snapped and you locked that moment in forever and making your entire life and universe around behaving like the way that person looks and never letting anyone else inside until it's run through the way that person looks in that moment in the photo. It's pushing every single response you might have to a question someone asks you, to the way people interact with you, you push it through a filter of this photograph before it actually gets a real response out of your mouth. So when you walk around in life, I find that you'll generally come across three different types of women when it comes to this particular faux pas. Number one, the kind of woman I'm describing here, doing all sorts of prancing, displaying, hair flipping, hyper feminine gestures and laughs and screams and giggles, making her ass cheeks bounce and jiggle from side to side, intentionally clicking her heels, going well beyond RBF, arresting bitch face, and really trying to convey that she's always irritable or truly pissed off, walking within a millimeter of touching you but pretending you don't exist, crossing by you and brushing your arm but pretending you don't exist, bumping into you and not saying excuse me, bumping into you and not looking at you, bumping into you when she reaches for something and totally disregards your presence and ignores that you're alive starting your sentences with um and then blinking 45 times while looking down so people can stare at your body while you pretend to be thinking but are really trying to draw all the sexual attention onto yourself so he or she can look you up and down intentionally not exhibiting any eye contact while purposely looking extremely sexual or ready for sex wearing outrageously sexual clothing that show off your ass cheeks or extremely low cleavage or having your tits out at any given time large amounts of side boob lips done and puckered up with puckering potions or botox so that you literally look like you're having sex every moment of the day, but then being fussy or upset if people are staring at your assets, pursing your lips, making a duck face, making your mouth look like you're blowing on hot soup, intentionally playing towards unfavorable qualities such as playing stupid or playing dumb or dumbing down your knowledge, looking away as soon as anyone looks at you but continuing to carry yourself in a way that expresses sexual interest and hunger and all kinds of thirst through lip pouts, breast adjustments, and enormous amounts of skin showing. So hopefully you don't feel triggered and you see that I'm trying to paint a picture for the kind of girl who is trying to demand and control so much desire and attention from eyeballs. She wants them on her. She wants people to look. She wants people to admire. Likely she wants people to talk to her, but the response back is one of emptiness. It's shallow, cold, rude, distant, aloof. It doesn't have depth and often the response back from a simple hello or smile is, if not ignoring you, completely a very rude or snappy face. Now, to be clear, everyone has their own sense of agency. You can behave however you want to behave. You can do what you want to do, but it's not going to be without consequences. And there are certain parameters that people respond to. So it's a very mixed message to look extremely sexual, extremely flamboyant, extremely ready to have sex down to the way you talk and interact and what you do with your eyes and your lips and your hair. But then when people talk to you or confront you about it or discuss it with you or offer it to you, you have a very different or difficult response. Okay, so all of that was one type of girl. 
Number two out in the world, we find women who have real triggers with social anxiety or depression or just are completely socially awkward or they just haven't quite learned how to interact with lots of people or they're super introverted. At least from my part, I'm able to have more sympathy and empathy and understanding for these types of people because they're dealing with real emotional issues. And the big difference here, people in this group aren't choosing to react and respond the way they do. They're not trying to be distant or coy or act weird or awkward. It would be inappropriate to say, cheer up or just be happy or put a smile on your face or listen to some positive affirmations or speak positively. None of that stuff tends to help people who have a serious condition. Frankly, none of that stuff helps anybody, period, but especially people who have a condition. Now, it doesn't mean they can't take steps to change this or to eventually step out of it to the best of their ability, but they're not trying to give you a certain affectation by behaving a certain way. There's no filter. They're not acting or putting on airs, and they're not being inauthentic. All right, and finally, the third group of people, I'm hesitant to use the word normal, but these are people who are in their most natural state of being, the way animals are, the way babies are, the way older people are when they reach a certain state, a free-flowing, not caring, at peace with themselves in the world kind of attitude. Think of someone who's just going about their day, and they're not concerned with looks, appearance, responses, triggers, fear. They're just going to the mall, buying some food, going out to dinner and doing their best to live a great life. They don't carry a lot of resistance. It's just an ease. Interactions with them are delightful. They might say hi or they might not. It's not a big deal. They make eye contact. They smile. They say hello. When they bump into you, they say, excuse me, or I'm sorry. When they work in retail, they take a genuine interest in helping you instead of worrying about how they look consistently. But there's no affectation to how they're walking around and who you are talking to when you're talking to them. You're not talking to their sexual assistant. You're speaking directly to the person and you're meeting them where they are. No matter how confident or not confident they are, no matter how awkward or not they are, if they're speaking to someone, it's their natural voice. With group number three, appearance doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how beautiful or not they are, how attractive they are or not. They say hello. They say, excuse me. They acknowledge your existence if you happen to be almost bumping into one another. I'll quickly give you a great example of that. I was going down a very unattractive stairwell the other day, and two nurses came through the door as I was coming down. And so now I was alone in a stairwell with two women. And instead of offering any weird type of face or response or pretending I didn't exist or zoom right by me, they both looked me right in the eyes, smiled at me, parted their lips a little bit, held eye contact for a moment, I said hi, and then we moved on. Easy. We all feel a little uncomfortable publicly. We all do things we aren't expecting. We all make silly faces. I'm not talking about any of that. This is a very specific affectation. The reality TV star effect is trying to make every single word that comes out of your mouth, every expression, every noise, every gesture, and every piece of body language as though you are a completely unaware and innocent being with only hot sexy intentions and making others want to fuck you and then pretending that you don't know it you don't want it you're certainly not asking for it and you have no idea why it's happening to you it could play itself out by pretending that you're having the time of your life thinking that you're absolutely hysterical and screaming and squawking but then as soon as a man walks by who you're not interested in or if he says something to you suddenly you're very serious very quiet and very solemn we all have different masks that we wear, no doubt. And we're very different people privately than we are in the public eye, as well as when we talk to our parents, our girlfriends and boyfriends, husbands and wives, 
and then Perfect Strangers. But in saying all of that, I don't want to take away from female charm and all these fun qualities that we enjoy so much in women. Femininity and mysteriousness, being cute and playful and sweet and silly and fun and girly, all of that stuff is wonderful. I would never say to someone, I need to change who you are, your authentic personality, who you really want to be. That's the part we actually want to bring out. This is the over-exaggeration of that. This is all the extra, all the colloquialisms, all the silly chit-chat, all the noises and responses that aren't really you. And what it does to men's minds, and this is key, is either irritate us or make us exclusively think about sex and fucking you. Literally, that's it. Anger and fucking don't go well together. So check this out. Most women do not want a constant and never-ending stream of sexual attention from most men. Am I right? All the men who you find creepy, all the men who you're not attracted to, all the ones who you want to not approach you. So why would you carry yourself in a way that's going to do the exact thing that makes all men sexually attracted to you, wanting to pursue you, want to try to have sex with you, and most likely give you attention that you actually don't even want or like, and it probably will make you feel uncomfortable. And what's so hard about this Kardashian effect is that some women have managed to install this personality trait into who they are so well that it comes out of them before their own natural way of laughing, responding, and being it's almost become a part of who they are. You might not even realize it's there. On a deeper level, you can call this part of yourself your pain body, your ego, a protective mechanism. You can call it what you learned from Teen Magazine and all these reality shows when you were a kid. So you're trying to separate out who's really you, the woman inside, the girl on the inside, from this hungry little sex monster, this mask, this being that is asking for the things that it doesn't even really want. And to be clear, I, for instance, am someone who loves playful, flirty, sweet, friendly, cute, feminine, girly, whimsical, funny, silly, cutesy women as well, of course. But the distinguishing factor here is there's a pulse on the other side. There's a human being on your side. There's someone who wants to interact warmly with the person who you're giving all this energy to or to the world who you're giving all this energy to. How do you as women feel when you see a man who is what you would call maybe grotesquely large, so absolutely enormous and muscle-bound that you actually believe he's compensating for something, right? How do you feel when you see a 60-year-old guy in a red Ferrari? How do you feel when you see a man peacocking at a bar with extreme fashion and like 20 wristbands and hair done and all done up and you could tell when you're looking at him that he's kind of looking for something either sex or attention women don't often talk to multiple men by approaching them but how do you feel when you see a man approaching her and her and her and her and her and her it's like come on we've all seen these men who are overly affected puffing out their chests raising their chin walking in a certain way all cavalier unbuttoned shirts looking way too cool ultra ripped up jeans super crazy wild shoes and you've just got to ask yourself do you like anything fake in men? Fake chests, fake butts, fake bank accounts, fake personas or personalities. Don't you smell it the moment a man is quote-unquote trying too hard? And don't you hate it? 
Why do you suppose that you hate men who try too hard and that you're not sexually attracted to men like that? Because you can't stand the quality in yourself. So if you can't stand these qualities in men, why would you think for a moment that a man would really want those qualities in you or that you'd want to attract a man who likes those qualities in you? When you meet someone and you have the opportunity to have a sense of love, surprise, delight, excitement, joy, empathy, it's all pushed through this layer of do I look hot enough, pretty enough, and sexually desirable enough? Am I competing with other girls who are trying to look like this? And how can I disregard, slight, insult, put down, or make feel unimportant those who are talking to me? Ugh. Think about for a moment what you love most in men. What makes your heart melt? What makes you say, oh, he's so sweet, or I love how authentic he is? It's when we're being ourselves, when we're just the rock, when we're the man, when we're present with you. When we're in our masculine, no chest puffing. Ah, fuck yes, we're not dropping our voice down so deep to emphasize our masculinity. Oh, how long could you just listen to me talking like this in his voice? How many ways have you changed your voice, your reactions, or even the way you say, ah? If you still find yourself challenged by understanding what this is about, hop on Instagram and take a search for any Instagram model who's doing one of those silent stories or videos about her tits or her ass. Yes, in fact, an entire story about her sexual ornamentation. Today she's showing us, just like yesterday and every day for the last several years, yet another angle of her ass and yet another swimsuit. But most importantly, she wants you to have an outstanding look at what her sexual organs look like. But she can't show you lovingly or sweetly. She has to show you with a very cold, empty, distant, or even vicious, or angry, or pissed off, or aloof, or confused, or eyes rolling, or looking up, or looking completely lost. Kind of look on her face. Please take note of the way she looks at you, and what she does with her mouth, and exactly what she does with her eyes. Watch how she moves the camera and glides it all over her body, or creates a boomerang of her looking cute that took her about 40 attempts to make. But it's not about modeling or being a model, it's something very specific. It's what somehow women these days think is sexy and desirable. Sure, it attracts attention and likes, and maybe that's all you're going for, but why are we not talking about all the unwanted attention and how it makes people feel about you, think about you, and value you? So it's really worth examining. Are you so thirsty about displaying this sexual side and only that to the world rather than any other thing that might be valuable about yourself? Now, for many women out there, you might be rolling your eyes at this. Perhaps these are women that you don't understand or can't understand. I know most of my friends don't wear a lot of makeup. They don't put a ton of attention into the way they look. Looks are secondary to their personality or what they're passionate about or who they love. If you're someone who puts your presentation before everything that you do and everything that you say so that it sounds as if you're reading a script from a reality TV show, there are some things that you can do about it. So what are some solutions? You can start by revealing real and true authentic parts of yourself to people who you trust, just little bits, slowly, slowly and surely. An authentic comment, a real smile, a genuine laugh, not trying so hard to have it look like what you see on social media and on TV. You can share more of your heart and your true feelings and begin to become aware when you're putting something extra on top of your communication style. 
of course, it's okay to be sexy. It's okay to be womanly and have all of your female charms. All that stuff is great, but it's hard to have a lot of self-worth when you're always focused on your appearance. Your appearance changes from day to day. There are always more attractive women than you out there, and you're not always seeing yourself in the mirror the way you truly look anyway. It's really hard to love yourself when you're so critical of yourself and when you're so hyper aware of how you think you sound and look. If you begin to expand on facets of your personality that go a bit deeper than skin deep, you'll see a massive difference in your life. And that, that's the secret of what closeness is all about. Not that your entire life comes down to looking hot or effectively that your purpose is for sex only. No one is a stranger to the fact that most women love attention in all forms, but more often than not, you give absolutely nothing back in exchange for this attention. You just want it on you and giving nothing back is where the complication is. So you give nothing back, not emotionally, not energetically, not in a friendly light sort of way. And that's why it feels so empty so much of the time because it's not really fulfilling what you want and there's no exchange. There's no giving back. It's just me, 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 me. Have you ever been in a restaurant and had just an incredible experience from the waiter? Like he was literally responsible for maybe 75% of your enjoyment of the evening. The food was great. The service was phenomenal. But the way he tended to you and cared for you just made all the difference in the world. He didn't crowd you, but he checked in. He understood the menu and made recommendations. He steered you away from things you might not want to taste. And then have you ever been served by a waitress who doesn't make eye contact, walks over, and the first thing out of her mouth is, what do you want to drink? The last thing out of her mouth, which is the next thing out of her mouth is, can I get you anything else or do you want the check? No smile, no hello, no consideration, no introduction, no checking in, no seeing how things are going, no offering any suggestions or help. What a huge difference. So if you're someone who's working on this and you want a few more suggestions, here are a couple more ideas to play with. Softening your edges. Making an effort to be a little less uptight, wound up, or stressed out. Acknowledging those around you, yes, with a little smile, a hello, some eye contact, a quick smile goes miles to make both people feel great. In the safest environments of your day and with the people you feel the most comfortable around, start trying to hold a little eye contact just a little bit before darting your eyes away. Make someone feel good about your presence. Make someone feel happy that they had the opportunity to pass you by that doesn't have anything to do with the way you look. It feels so good to feel good. It feels so good when people treat us well. It feels so good when we treat others well. There's actually positive emotion that comes from that. Looking for examples in the world of things being okay of everyone being safe, of children playing in a park and people bustling all around, getting their stuff done. Everything is actually okay. You're not in real danger. Notice countless other women, attractive or not, making their way through life in shopping malls, in the grocery store, not being bothered, not being harassed, not acting a certain way, being friendly to people and having a great experience. Notice that you can exist without having to have such a strong front or wall up. Being kind to those around you, being helpful, being curious, figuring out what other people are like. When we say smile at someone, it's not that you have to smile to impress us or to do anything for us, but it's a common courtesy we do as people when we're out in public. And yes, it matters. Yes, it makes a big difference. 
not with every single person that you meet, not because you're expected to smile because someone tells you you should smile, when it feels comfortable and safe, and when you can't help but to have made eye contact with someone. I can't begin to tell you how good you can feel when you respond to others with sincerity, authenticity, and heart. The difference in emotion you'll feel inside is staggering. And what a difference it makes in my own day when someone just smiles. They say hello, they're friendly, it changes everything. And then you contrast that with the other 80% who are running around so grumpy and upset all day. You can give them whatever empathy you'd like. You can always make excuses for unhappy people. You don't know what happened in their day. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what that person has been through, sure. But the fact of the matter is, when you tap into the vibe or the energy or the feeling of being more of a pleasant person more of the time, never mind other people around you. You yourself will feel better most of the time. And who doesn't want to feel better? What an excellent place to pick up faux pas number two. A very dear friend of mine, Lara, has a wonderful name for it. Stealing other people's thunder. Men do do this as well, so it is applicable to both sexes, yes. But this deals specifically when a couple or a partnership is in conflict. You're having a fight or an argument or a discussion or someone is bringing something to your attention that they're bothered about. More often than not, it's about something that your partner is hurting about. They're coming to you and they're saying, you're hurting me. I'm in pain. This is causing me hurt. You're making me suffer. When you respond like this, it hurts. One of the most vulnerable moments you can share with a partner when they bring their pain to you and tell you that something that you're doing is hurting them. It's something that requires your care and attention. I think if you imagine that a small child came to you saying the same thing, when you do this to me, it hurts, you'd probably want to stop the behavior right away. In fact, before going on, take a moment to imagine if someone you love is hurting you and you said word for word, babe, when you do this, it hurts me. It hurts me on the inside emotionally and I really need your help here. Please stop. What type of response would you like back from that person? Would you like them to care, acknowledge, talk about it? Or would you like him to steal the thunder, flip out, turn the tables around, and actually blame or attack you and tell you that you're the problem and tell you about how mad they are and all the problems that they're having and that they feel like they could do no good because everything you say is an attack? What if they made you feel bad for having even brought it up or even worse, play the victim? A relationship like that is in a lot of trouble, a world of hurt. If someone comes to you and tells you that they're hurting and then you flip it around and play the victim and tell them that you feel attacked by them telling you what they're telling you, or maybe you're saying something like, I feel like nothing I ever do is right. I feel like I can't please you or it feels like everything I do is wrong. Or maybe you just burst into tears and you take something that your partner is expressing hurt about and flip it around and then you make him or her feel guilty, this is just devastating to your relationship, especially because now, particularly with nice guys, and you know this, ladies, you know when you can pull the wool over his eyes and make it more about you than it is about him, guys will often feel bad that they hurt your feelings, especially if you've got the waterworks going and the pouting and the sadness. They'll minimize their own feelings to try to make you feel better. And then they'll wind up keeping their own hurt to themselves and nothing will get solved on his end. 
you'll think you're a star because you've somehow averted crisis, but you've put all the attention onto yourself and you've done nothing to help him with what he was upset about. Congratulations, you got all of your needs met while minimizing your partner's needs. So now, guess what? All of the attention is where? Back on you. Does that ring a bell from faux pas number one? You may think you've solved this by not having to look within yourself or take accountability for anything that you did, but the fact of the matter is, if that keeps happening, and sometimes it only takes once, resentment is going to build. Because if every time your partner comes to you with an issue, your response is to feel attacked or to flip it back onto them, or if you feel that now is the appropriate time to bring up your long laundry list and air things out with your partner, It's never going to work. In fact, the worst time to bring up your issues is when someone is coming to you with something that they're hurting about. So when this happens, do your absolute best to yes, take a nice deep breath, listen, hear what's being said to you. Feel into the fact that your partner is not only hurting, but they're coming to you and talking to you about something that's going on with them. They want you to help them and they want to have a happy experience with you. They want a better relationship. They want more closeness. If you choose a path of love, understanding, and closeness, you're going to keep the relationship. Even if it's just sex and whether it's a short-term or a long-term thing, it will succeed because you're going to build trust. And the only thing that you're going to demonstrate to your partner if you flip things around and steal the thunder is that you're someone who can't be trusted and you're going to invalidate your partner's feelings. And I can't think of a reason why anyone would want to do that to someone that they care about. Moving on to faux pas number three. And this one is all pervasive. It has completely taken over our society. And interestingly, it never used to be this way. Number three is... Being scared and being frightened of everyone and everything around you. Before I even remotely go into this one, if you've been listening to the podcast, you're probably expecting some disclaimers here, and to some degree you would be right. But I'm also going to make a few very, very strong statements that you may or may not agree with, and I'm asking you, if you are a woman, to suspend judgment and reflect for a moment on whether this is or is not true for you and really, really look inside. I believe as a fundamental baseline for their existence, most women on the planet have fear as one of their default emotions. Fear woven into the fabric of their being, fear ingrained in who they are, fear at the basis of how they operate in society. Yes, of course, we all experience fear. Men and women, of course, I experience fear. But it plays itself out a bit differently with a woman. And so you can reflect, is it a fear of getting hurt? A fear of being vulnerable? A fear of being physically hurt? A fear of being emotionally hurt? Women seem to resort back to it easily. And it does seem like something that is always consciously in their psyche or their awareness. It's very different than it will ever be for a man, even something as simple as walking through a parking lot to your car. And I think most men will never be able to understand what that is. And when you like someone or you have a child or you have a boyfriend or a husband, you care about someone, that fear expands into something even greater. And fear might play itself out as insecurity. It might play itself out as fear of being hurt. And it also might play itself out as simply fear of the unknown, 
fear of change, not knowing what's going to happen, and also an exaggerated sense of fear, which you might also call paranoia. And with that, as always, I invite you to pause the audio and take a look back on the five previous places that you visited, whether it's Trader Joe's or you did some sort of sporting event. How were your interactions with men who were strangers, acquaintances, coworkers, people you work with and talk to? Are you fully comfortable around everyone or do people make you nervous? Are you feeling confident and vibrant and happy? Like you could handle whatever comes your way, whatever any man says to you or however any man looks at you or quote unquote makes you feel? Or is there always an underlying fear or concern or worry nagging at you? Think of your children if you have any. Think of your relationship. Think of where your partner is at the moment. Think of how you feel about yourself. Think about how vulnerable or exposed you might feel. He's a very big topic and a very sensitive one. So please know when I'm making suggestions on how to correct this or help this, I also want you to know I understand that as a baseline, you have this fear process going on. And I'm inviting you to explore if you want to change it, if you want to live in fear, if there's something you want to do about it, if you can catch the times when it's appropriate and a natural response, and if you can shift or change some of the other times when it absolutely does not serve you. So this faux pas has to do with thinking that everyone is your enemy, that everyone wants to hurt you, and that no matter what, you always have to be vigilant, you always have to look out, you always have to be super careful about everything you do. It's thinking that you're unsafe everywhere you go, it's thinking that men are cruel or evil or want to hurt you. It's often having an accusatory or assumptive attitude that someone meant to bump into you or do you wrong or is trying to manipulate you. And it even plays itself out when you're getting to know someone and you don't know them well yet. So you're making up these elaborate far-fetched stories about what must be true about him and what a narcissist, sociopath, psychopath he must be once you've broken up with him to make yourself feel better and make him appear to be more scary than he really is. It also ties into previous faux pas, such as completely ignoring everyone around you, never making any eye contact, never saying hello, even in completely safe and normal day-to-day -day situations. It has the feeling at its core, at its vibration, that you're extremely jumpy or petrified or scared about everything you do and everyone you interact with, like a scared little rabbit or like a prey animal. And while there may not be anything you can immediately do about it, you might think. Just observe how that feels if you think about yourself in that light. It's not a place where, I don't think, you'd want to be. Unless you're in some elaborate, you know, consensual sexual fantasy of sorts. But in day-to-day -day life, I don't believe that anyone wants to feel like a target or a prey animal or like someone is after them or that the world is against them. I was having this conversation with a friend a few months ago. One of the top things you fear on a first date is death. Death, afraid of being killed on the first date. What do men fear on a first date? That women won't look as advertised. Or of course, the way she portrayed herself to look before meeting in certain mocked up photos. So on the one hand, you have women who are fearing for their lives, whether or not that's founded and whether or not that makes sense. And on the other hand, you have men basically hoping their partner is going to be the way they portrayed themselves on their profile. 
Now, that is absolutely horrific, that a woman should ever have to fear for or be concerned for her life, especially on a first date. So, acknowledged. Now, let's move forward and dive into this. How many women out there have ever told another man, I don't know you. You could be a serial killer. Are you sure you're not going to kill me? How do I know you're not an axe murderer? Especially this one, axe murderer. I cannot even remember a single time in my life where I have ever heard a story of an axe murderer that comes to mind. How many of you have used an expression like that on a first date or when you're getting to know someone for the first time and they want to spend time with you? In fact, maybe you've even directly asked them, are you going to kill me? Are you going to hurt me? I have empathy for you. I have a lot of empathy for you. But I do believe this is not the kind of fear you want to run around with every day. So here are a few things to consider. When in your life was the last time you heard of someone running around on first dates killing people? I'm not saying be stupid, and I'm not saying that stuff like this has not happened in the past, but these types of things are so far and few in between that I'm recommending that you not live your entire life in fear, being jumpy, and scared and terrified every time you pass a man because some things like this have existed in the universe before or because and this is the hardest one for everybody on the planet or because you've experienced something like this already you've been hurt or someone has physically hurt you or you've had a bad experience with someone then you tend to carry that forward into your new interactions we for the most part do not live in a world where Everyone is being hurt all the time physically, more pain than not, more physical violence than not. It's a very minimal part of our experience. And I'm not trying to say it doesn't happen or you shouldn't look out. Of course, there's tons of forms of abuse, domestic violence. Men have hurt women. Men have raped women. There's lots of stuff that exists where your mind immediately says, of course, this is something I need to look out for. I want to share two things that I think are important here, though. Number one, do you want to live your life entirely in fear of something like this happening to you and therefore always be walled up and guarded and concerned and jumpy? That to me seems very uncomfortable for your physiology, for your well-being and for your own happiness. And number two, do you not see a connection in behaving defensively, fearfully and what that usually attracts? If you look at a scared little rabbit versus a confident tiger, you see it right away in their body language. One looks like prey and the other one looks like a predator. So I think it's to your benefit to line your physiology and body language up with someone who looks like they're confident. Even as I'm sharing this, I'm still hearing people get revved up in my mind about how we do have to be vigilant and there's crazy people out there and there's tons of creeps and you never know who one's going to be. Even with all that being true, what kind of life do you want to live? One of paranoia, fear, freaking out, mistrust, always assuming the worst in people? Or would you like men to delight you and surprise you and champion you, making you feel delighted? Wouldn't you love to be pleasantly surprised that when you simply smile at a man, he smiles back? So this faux pas is a tendency to respond disproportionately to events that are happening in our now moment versus activating the fears and anxieties that come from our past on every future interaction. Don't you want to believe in good in the world? 
Of course, this does not apply to men who are truly frightening to behold, men who are menacing or really freaking you out in some way, or when you're all by yourself in an alley or you're walking to your car at night, or if you're super drunk stumbling out of a bar or if someone who's on drugs is stumbling over to you. Of course, during any of these situations, it would make perfect sense to be on high alert. We want to think more about sunshine rainbow and unicorn days. Summer afternoons or the middle of the day when you're in a shopping mall or a market or a farmer's market. You're running errands or you're at the park, you're at the gym, you're at Pilates, you're at yoga. Somewhere where you're doing something that you like and enjoy and there are people everywhere. Everyone's going about their business and there's nothing weird, awkward, creepy, strange, or bizarre about this moment. This, my friends, is everyday life. This is our day-to-day. -day. Every time we step out the door, for the most part, when it's not crazy late at night or a special holiday and no one's on the streets or you're stuck in a scary building by yourself, our day-to-day -day is, for the most part, safe. And we're very blessed to have it that way. These are the situations that I'm talking about. So now that we've got that out of the way, some of these behaviors are so ingrained in us, it's really taken some time to flesh out or distill down what is going on. So a lot of these expressions I'm describing here are pointing towards your behavior, but they might not describe it perfectly. So what this faux pas deals with is not giving someone who's standing next to you, in front of you, behind you, somewhere in your general vicinity, for instance, another customer in a store, someone who's standing right next to you in a line, someone who's by you in a park or who you brush by as you're trying to get somewhere, someone who's crossing the street with you. It could be anywhere where you are in close proximity with someone else. The faux pas is pretending that none of these people exist, pretending that everyone in your immediate surrounding is not there and trying extremely hard, using a lot of energy to not look at them or acknowledge that they're there. Instead, you keep your eyes locked and focused on something else, such as staring out into space, staring at your phone, pretending you're fixated on something directly in front of you. And if you think that's normal behavior, well, consider this. Imagine in your mind whatever variety of furry, fuzzy, adorable animal you love. A kitty, a bunny, a dog. Imagine this adorable creature is walking right next to you. You know in the blink of an eye you would notice this creature. Even if you were on your phone, even if it was five feet below you, even if you were stuck in your head, even if you were distracted, you know exactly what you would do. You would leap to it, run to it. Oh my gosh, what is this? Look at this cute little thing. Your eyes would get wide. You'd get excited. You'd notice it. You'd give it your attention. You would focus on it. It takes unbelievable amounts of energy and effort to put up this shield and pretend that when you bump into someone or brush by them, and it's your fault to pretend that they don't exist, shoot your eyes in another direction and not say excuse me, not say hello, pardon me, or anything of the kind and just keep on moving. When did it become acceptable behavior in society to just create huge amounts of discomfort in others, bump into them, and then ignore everyone? Of course, I can hear a bit of feminism creeping in, and it sounds something like, well, I'm my own person. I don't owe anything to anyone. I'm not responsible for how other people feel. That's their responsibility to choose how they respond to me being rude to them. No one should tell me how to look or what faces I should be making or how I should be walking or talking. And no man should be telling me how to dress, talk, or act. I can ignore everyone if I choose. I don't have to smile at anyone if I don't want to. If I have resting bitch face, that's how I'm made. Don't tell me that I have to do anything to anyone, anywhere, anytime. Hmm. And sure, I can get behind that. I fully agree with it. You are entitled to be 
whoever you want to be. And it certainly shouldn't come from a man to tell you how to behave, who you are, who you need to be. However, I'm speaking about public behavior that nowadays is flat out rude, disrespectful, inconsiderate, unconscientious, mean, cold, weird, and has no place in our society because it actually creates a negative response in others. And everyone hates that response. No one likes to activate a sense of more aggression in other people. You don't want people to be more judgmental, more likely to call you names that you can't stand and refer to you as terrible, mean things. No one wants to feel negative emotion directed towards them based on how they're behaving. Even though that's not what you deserve, he's got no right to do that and it's totally inappropriate. This is what that behavior creates. So of course, you own your mind, body, and soul. You really do have the right to behave however you like. You are as free as a bird. However, but you cannot escape the fact that we are social beings and we have to mix it up with one another. We're going to bump into each other and we need each other to survive. As such, when you are doing things in society that are rude, cold, short, inconsiderate, disrespectful, mean, and otherwise inappropriate, you're going to get a response back that you're just not going to like, which is then going to make you dislike men more or be more frustrated or have more negative experiences because of how you're behaving to begin with. Here are a few more examples of this that I've noticed for years. A woman's inside of an elevator and she's staring down. The elevator's small. The door opens and a man's gotta get in. And he has to maneuver himself all around her because she's staring at the ground and she's so petrified and terrified of God knows what, making eye contact, connecting, looking at someone. Or maybe she's super arrogant and super full of herself and doesn't feel like she should have to move or has to accommodate anyone. Everyone knows socially, when an elevator door opens, you make room for people to get in. Wouldn't you do that for someone who is handicapped in some way? Wouldn't you do that for someone who's much older? What does this woman do countless times? She doesn't acknowledge his existence. She doesn't look up. She doesn't move out of the way. She doesn't say hello. She doesn't adjust her shoulder to make room for him to get in. What does she do? She stands there, vacuously staring out into space, expecting the entire world to accommodate her existence. Now, can you just imagine what a pleasant interaction something so simple like that could have been without making the person trying to get in feel irritated, without making herself feel uncomfortable, simply by saying hello or moving over or just stepping to the side? Things like this make an enormous difference in how comfortable you're going to feel if you have to stand next to someone for the next 30 seconds or 30 minutes. This is very different than saying, you should smile, smile more often. You look so much prettier when you smile. It's not about control, it's about public decorum. I've done social experiments in stores where I watch how women treat other men there, and I've even had women do strange and bizarre things to me. So let's say a man is looking at something on a shelf. He's pretty close to the shelf itself, and he's reading the ingredients on something. And sure enough, a woman will swoop in, reach right in front of his face, come within inches of touching his face, reach out right in front of him, take what she wants, and then flip her hair around and walk away in the other direction. Where is the excuse me or the hello or, oh, excuse me, I've just got to grab this really quick, or hey, can you reach that for me? It's just rude and poor behavior makes you ask, who are these people's parents? How did they grow up? How did they not come across social decorum? How do people get through life just constantly barging into other people's space and not getting in trouble? I wonder. Now here's the kicker. When men, or anyone else for that matter, are put in a situation like this, it instantly puts people on the defensive. 
Imagine you do that to another woman or a woman does that to you. You'd feel very upset and slighted. Can you imagine if you're shopping and a man just lunges forward in front of you, sticks his arm out right in front of your face and takes what he needs and then whips around and walks away? Of course you'd hate it. You know, whenever I pass small children, teenagers, kids with parents, grandmas, people who tend to be over 45, when I observe these people in public, I notice a very different way of being, much, much more of a freedom. They smile, they say hello, they acknowledge your existence. There isn't anything caught up in what they should or shouldn't have to do. They're just cordial and friendly. There's just a general sense of being a good person that emanates from them. And so when men say hi to these women and ladies and girls, no one feels threatened. No one freaks out. No one feels that they're in danger. And no one feels that something bad is going to happen. And of course, through all this, I'll remind you, we're talking about safe environments, safe places, where looking in someone's eyes does not mean an invitation for sex, or now you're going to have them hound you for your number. I've spent a ton of time in these other bustling, more dangerous places, New York, San Francisco, downtown Los Angeles. I understand. You don't want to talk to anyone. You want to get by, do your thing, get to work. Sometimes subways are so overcrowded, you have someone bumped up right against your face, and all you can do is just stare forward. It's when you're in your favorite coffee shop and you almost bump into someone. When you're walking through a public park on a beautiful sunny day, it's at the beach, it's at a mall, it's at a food concession center, it's at Costco. It's when you know you're going to be face to face with someone at a bench or a counter and you try so hard to pretend that your phone or staring down or staring at a menu or staring off into space, that's what the most important thing is. Where, at least to me, it's more about human connection. If we stop making such a fuss about acknowledging others, regardless of the fact of whether or not you've got a boyfriend, a husband, a girlfriend, whatever your status is does not take away from the fact that you can share positive social interaction with people. That thing that you're trying to avoid, that fear of being hurt or being accosted or having someone talk to you when you don't want anyone talking to you. A simple acknowledgement of someone else can make all of those fears evaporate. And you'll see, I see it all the time when women say hi. It's like, hi, hi, end of story. It all stops there. So here's another example. I love to dance. So usually when we are in a dance class, the teachers stand in front and we situate ourselves somewhat windowed so each person can see. So not partner dancing, but solo dancing like hip hop, jazz, modern ballet, what have you. And I've been in environments where there's no other way to describe how women behave in there other than bitchy. They bump into you, they don't look, they don't watch where they're going, they kick you when they're dancing, take up space, they dance in front of you, they block you. It's a pretty horrible experience if it's ever happened to you. And then I've been in other classroom environments where the girls in there are completely supportive, welcoming, warm, friendly, they smile. Of course you're going to make eye contact and catch eyes because you're spinning around and moving around so much. You have to watch out for where you're going. So we smile. We don't look down or away or pretend the other person doesn't exist. We acknowledge our own shortcomings or make silly faces. There's a simple acknowledgement of space and a respect of space. And you might think to yourself, that should be normal behavior in a dance studio and anywhere else, but that's not the case. And just so we're clear, this isn't about sexual dynamics, about who's attracted to me or if I'm hitting on someone or not. I'm just talking about existing in a confined space for a certain amount of time with someone else. All right, let's talk about double standards for a moment. If a man engaged in this type of behavior with another man and tried to pull these kinds of things, it would actually be cause for a physical fight and real violence. So imagine now you're in a supermarket with your boyfriend in the same situation I was describing earlier where 
you're looking at something on a shelf, you're in the cereal section trying to decide whether you want to give five grain or 10 grain, and there's another man who begins to approach who seemingly needs to get something from the same place. So suddenly, without warning, he swoops in, doesn't say excuse me, bumps right into your boyfriend, knocks him off balance a little bit, takes what he needs, never even looks at either of you, doesn't say excuse me, and he just walks away. Whew. How would that make your man react? How would you want him to react? And how would you feel about it? I'm pretty sure that half of the women would try to quickly quell or calm down their boyfriend before some sort of beatdown occurred. And how many of you would try to say into your boyfriend's ear, babe, babe, just, just let it go, just leave it, just drop it. Telling him that he should let it go. I think still some women would find excitement in knowing that her boyfriend could go put that other man in his place. And I also think most people would appreciate someone speaking up and making a comment about how that was rude. But try to imagine a man speaking up to a woman who does this in a supermarket. Hey, 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 that was really rude or inconsiderate. Why don't you apologize or say excuse me? <laughs> I can't even imagine a favorable outcome in this scenario, how that would go well. All of a sudden, what has happened? Now there's an aggressive man here, an angry man, or a man who's being very confrontational when all she was trying to do was just get her cereal, right? Like there's no happy ending to that sort of situation. And here once again is the rub. A response like that is actually appropriate. Hey, what are you doing? Excuse me, excuse you. Or something that gets their attention to say, that's not okay. It's not accusatory. It's not wrong. They aren't fighting words. But because more often than not, a woman's going to be put on the defensive, feel attacked, be put in flight or flight mode, it's going to create a much larger issue, leaving both people with a sour taste in their mouths. Can you imagine how nice it would be if someone said, Oh my gosh, you're right. I'm so sorry. I did bump into you. That's my fault. Maybe they're even a lover of terrible grammar and they want to say, my bad, but this isn't how our world works. Instead, we're subject to the retaliation, scorn, anger, cries, sadness, and freaking out, or even risking someone making a scene, or even worse still, someone who just takes pleasure in being rude and inconsiderate. So when someone does make a scene, what is the rest of the world's behavior when it's a woman who's freaking out? Well, when the masses get involved, Everyone comes to the woman's rescue, of course. If someone stumbles upon a man and a woman arguing, and a woman seems upset or distressed, how does everyone feel? The default is to assume that it must be the man who's creating the problem. Now, I'm not suggesting anything here about who's right all the time, who's wrong, who started arguments or not, or what every argument must be about. But it's keeping in our minds the knowing and the assuming that when a woman is in distress and a man and woman are arguing back and forth, it almost always, almost unanimously seems like the man has done something wrong to her because she's upset or emotional or crying or seems very distressed. I'm drawing all this out not to exclusively defend men or to make women wrong, but to acknowledge that we never know what's really going on when we come across a situation. I'm wanting to demonstrate why in some cases... It's possible for the people that you do this to to feel frustrated or silenced or like they can't speak up about wrongdoing because it either gets turned around back on them and blamed on them or it creates an inappropriate scene. Now, I do realize there are a million ways we can point out where women get treated unfairly and we're in that time period right now where that's so important and critical. This is not me trying to shift the pendulum over and minimize anything that you as a woman might be going through. 
The whole purpose of this series is to help bring you closer to other people, not to isolate you like an island, not to have you live in fear, and not to not be aware of how you treat people, which creates certain responses that you get back. So to me, it's all about bringing awareness to our actions and our behaviors and understanding what effect it's having in the outside world. It's really hard to watch women in public butt their way in between other people, force their way through doors without acknowledging someone who's holding it open for them or who's in the doorway with them, step in front of people, cut people off, trip over people, lean into people, brush right by them, take their parking spot, whatever it is, and completely ignore the person in the process. I just think to myself, what happened to you? Why is this your default behavior? How did this happen to you? Where is your sense of empathy, your sense of well-being? No one's perfect. We're all a little bit crazy, but there are certainly rules that we all need to adhere to to make society work and to make it a comfortable place for all of us to live. In fact, I would say being considerate is one of the foundations of our society to get along. And I put forth that we need to be cordial and respectful to one another. Now, some might argue that they don't want to confront someone or that they're shy or that they simply don't function well in public. Perhaps you shouldn't be going out in public and reaching for things that are in front of other people or interacting with people where you have to stand next to them. But you can't expect the world to bend to all of your whims simply because something makes you feel uneasy. See, there's a big difference between someone actually doing things that make you feel uncomfortable that are understandably wrong and inappropriate, and then you feeling uncomfortable with yourself as a person. And that one thing there, it's a bit of a sickness again in our society is we're so aware of not wanting to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but we never stop and think about why that person is having this issue, why they might be feeling uncomfortable, and how that might have absolutely nothing to do with the person making them feel uncomfortable. If I hate the color brown, and I think it looks terrible on someone, so it makes me feel uncomfortable, whose issue is this? Does it have anything to do with the person wearing the doo-doo brown colored sweater? Of course not. I remember a post on Facebook that was really popular a while back, and it had a woman in a bikini, a woman dressed sexually, a woman with her boobs out, and next to it, each of them said, not asking for it, not asking for it, not asking for it. And I agree completely that you do have the right to run around how you look and not be harassed, bothered, or for anyone to say that you're asking for it. However, the way our world works, whether we want it to or not, whether we accept it this way or not, is that men look for signs of sexual fitness in women no matter what, without trying, without even being aware of it. When we see women, we are taking in their beauty and how they look. If you're going to make yourself look sexually desirable and dramatically enhance your sexual assets by putting them out on display... You're going to push up your boobs, you're going to sway your hips, you're going to click with your heels, you're going to wear heels and make your shape look longer, you're going to wear things that accentuate your sexuality, you're going to put on things that make men want to have sex with you, then you don't get to have the double standard of expecting that I don't want to deal with any attention or unwanted attention from men, I want to dress up how I want and look how I want, and expect that you're not going to get a reaction from doing the very thing that creates a reaction. It's like dangling a mouse in front of a cat. It's so critical to get this because nothing is black and white. You have the right to not be harassed and bothered. And you should 
be able to move through the world dressed how you like and carrying yourself the way you like. But listen, once upon a time, we used to have $1,000 bills in circulation. To me, this would be as if a man wore a suit full of money and he just walked down the street with money almost falling off of him. And there was a way for you to know that he was a very, very wealthy man. And then he complained that all women care about when he talks to them is his money or that they want to be with him for what he can provide. Can he wear a suit made of money if he so desires? Absolutely. Should he have to deal with harassment of other women asking him for money or people asking him for money? No, but one sort of begets the other. Women often walk around with tops that are cut so low and their breasts poking out so firmly and voluptuously that one millimeter more of fabric being moved in any direction will expose their nipple. Can you imagine a man, for starters, even getting away with wearing his pants so low that one millimeter lower and you would see the shaft of his sexual ornamentation? And not only that, but what if his underwear was designed in such a way that there was a pouch underneath all of that and pushed everything up so that it kind of popped up out of his pants so that every time he walks in a room, the first thing people notice is effectively his cock. But come on now, people, why are you judging? He just wants to do him. He just wants to dress in the way that makes him feel good. So first of all, how comfortable could you really be if someone was speaking to you dressed like that in public? Number two, if that man then complained that he keeps getting so much unwanted attention from women who keep trying to have sex with him, could you really be sympathetic? Yes, you can wear what you like. Yes, you can do what you like, but you have to accept the ramifications that come from behavior like that. I'll give you one final example here and then we'll move on. I was at the mall the other day about to go down an escalator and there was another woman coming up the escalator and the two were side by side. So she had her husband right behind her and as she walked off the elevator, she was in such her own world of look at me and sucking attention in and trying so hard not to look at anyone that she slammed right into me. She didn't trip. She wasn't on her phone. She just wasn't paying attention. In other words, she was trying extremely hard to not make eye contact with anyone. But right before that happened, what did she make sure was happening? Boobies bouncing, hips swaying, heels clicking, pouty look on her mouth, drawing all the attention. Look at me, look at me, I'm so sexy and sexual. The signature look of staring out into space, making sure to focus on any other place other than where another human being might be. So I literally tried to jump out of the way, but there was no saving this collision. She just slammed right into me. If this was you, what would you do and how would you handle it if it was your fault? Would you look up, maybe apologize, make eye contact? Would you laugh about it? Would you feel embarrassed? Would you say anything? Well, the truth is when something dangerous or alarming happens, we turn around and look to see what it is. If we hear a loud noise behind us, we whip around to check it out to make sure we're safe. If we bump into a wall or a person or a light post, our natural inclination is to look up and see what the heck happened to us, which is why it is so disturbing that this arrogance, this sense of superiority, this spell that seems to be on people, that you are more important than anyone else around you who you may have even hurt, it has such a strong grip on you that you can override your natural instincts to see what the heck happened and be even more rude and even more cold than anyone could have thought possible before. So this woman absolutely refused to look up, 
to look in my direction, to acknowledge anything happened. No apology, no excuse me. She stopped for less than one second to make a little noise like, uh, and then stormed away as if I ran into her. Now, I really make a point about not sharing things on this podcast that happened once or something that happened 15 years ago, and I think it'll be very dramatic to share it. I share it with you because I see this happen over and over and over again. And when it happens to me personally, and I have the voice to be able to speak about it, I'm letting everybody know this is how women behave in today's society. It's not unusual. It's not uncommon. I see it almost everywhere I go. So after she stormed off and I made my way over to the escalator, I came in contact with her husband, who was looking right at me. How do you suppose he was looking at me? Empathetically. Feeling ashamed and embarrassed. Feeling guilty. Shaking his head. Apologizing to me for her poor behavior. This was actually really touching for me to experience someone who was able to take a moment to set right a moment that had really gone off the rails and could have left a very bad taste in my mind for the next several minutes. But instead, I was left feeling appreciation for this man's sincere acknowledgement. So I've spent a considerable amount of time thinking about what inspires someone to make these choices. Why choose anger and frustration over friendliness and kindness? Why choose to be uncomfortable? I mean, it is a choice than to just simply be polite, cordial, and respectful. And to me, it comes down to one thing, entitlement, outrageous, absolutely wild entitlement. The idea that you're better or more important than anyone else around you and that no one else's physical space matters. All of this dissertation to say the word you're looking for is excuse me with eye contact and sincerity. So at the end of the day, what are the solutions and answers to this faux pas? Well, a piece of me fears that it takes a certain degree of presence, consciousness, intelligence to even want to listen to something like this and make a change. So perhaps the people who need to hear it aren't even listening to it, but I'll keep my fingers crossed. I also think that this change has to come from both men and women not tolerating this behavior when they see it, that we speak up about it and that we remind someone how rude they are and how inconsiderate they are and what type of behavior might be more appropriate. Not by yelling at them or decimating them or being rude or being physical, but by calling out the behavior. If you are someone listening and you realize this is you, please don't come hang out with me. No, just kidding. Start by reminding yourself the absolute fit that you might throw if someone did this to you. Start visualizing how you might react if people treated you the way you treat others. If that doesn't do it for you, let me remind you that the worse you treat others in society, the more likely they are to believe that all women are this way or all men are that way. And the more likely people are to form negative beliefs about everyone. And therefore, the worse we are likely to all treat each other. And yet it's amazing how one smile can restore your faith in humanity. One glance, one acknowledgement, one person who looks in your eyes and just says, I see you, how that can brighten your day. Don't you want to be someone who spends more time brightening the days of others than bringing them down for whatever reason, whether it's insecurity, nervousness, shyness, uncomfortability, a lost faith in humanity, or the time period that we're in right now? I think you do. I think you want to be an uplifter. I think you want to bring joy to other people's lives, and I think you want to have more joy in your own. Get out there and mix it up with people. Download the app called Meetup and realize that you can mix it up with strangers and people you don't know and have a good time talking to them, connecting with them, 
enjoying new hobbies and doing new things. It's a big, beautiful world out there, and I encourage you to enjoy it. We're going to leave things right there for part one of this multiple series female faux pas. I always recommend taking a little time to reflect and review in your mind before jumping into the next one. Know that you also have resources and options available to you. We offer personal coaching if you're experiencing some of these issues, anything ranging from how to grab cereal off the shelf to how to have better, more explosive, incredible sex. You can find more information on getcloseness.com. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page yet, that's patreon.com forward slash closeness. There's now a members only area where you can get questions answered to all of your most intimate curiosities and other rewards and benefits as well. Thank you and see you next time.